When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, that's pretty good. The Raptors defeat the Brooklyn Nets 121-93. to It is their first win in the Atlantic Division of the season. I believe they're 0-11 to this point, which seems insane, which seems almost impossible. Like, that's not something that should be happening. But I tell you this much, it did. It happened on Caribbean night. It happened on Darko's birthday. And we got hallmark performances from quite a few players. Like, you had IQ popping off. I think Scotty started off the game in a tremendous place, just like pushing towards the rim. You can see his hustle, his effort in the rebounds. RJ, he had six assists in the first half, finishes with seven, ties a season high. Gary bangs every triple in existence. This is a good game. Grady, I thought, played good defense, like good positionally sound defense, made good rotations, did a good job off ball. And then also, like, you know, you get a little something from Ochai. There's some sticky point of attack defense. There's some stuff like that. But, I mean, it's not, a, it's not a game that redefines the season. It's not a game that redefines what the Raptors need to be going forward. But it is a game that shows you, honestly, that this is a team that has the upside to do some interesting things. This is a team that you look at some of the players and you say, there's more to get out of this year. And honestly, that's what you want in a season where, oh, geez, the camera's been really low. I don't want to cut out Poe, though. Um, in a season where the Raptors, I think, have been, you know, very up and down, they've changed significantly more so than I think any other team in the NBA. They've changed course. They've rebranded in some sense, and they're retooling slash rebuilding slash whatever. This was a really good game. Their defense, I thought, looked great, much better than it has in a lot of games. 93 points in 2024 is not a lot for an NBA team to score, and they managed to do it. Really, really impressed with the Raptors after this game. Um, and, and most importantly, I think with Scotty, you know, obviously this is like Gary's night to some degree, IQ's night to some degree. I thought Pearl was awesome, by the way. And his plus 26, it's easy to recognize how he, you know, was part of that. I know the numbers aren't big or sexy with like eight points, three blocks, nine boards, two assists. But honestly, and, and a steal in there as well. What we see is a guy who's holding down the defense and the Raptors played well in scheme, provided a really good ball pressure on the nets and made them uncomfortable on a lot of their side top side stuff that allows them to get the ball to their shooters. And the, the nets, they didn't shoot the ball particularly well in this game. So the Raptors, I think they accomplished everything that they wanted to. You hold the nets to under 30% from three. They still get a lot of them up. And I thought like just a super fun game. To everybody listening, just as a heads up, I know I do these usually for about like an hour, not feeling the best. I think as much as I love hanging with y'all for like an hour after every game, this one, meat and potatoes, we're talking about the game and then I'm getting out of here. I'm not feeling too well, but hey, let's talk about the first thing, Scotty, setting the tone. 
immediately pushing the ball up, um, getting the ball to the rim. When he didn't make it at the rim, he pursued his miss as he is very wont to do. He's always really impressive when he's able to go up. His second jump is so good. The way he kind of like traverses into the lane, big shoulders, a lot of weight. He pushes guys around. He's really impressive doing that. That's what we need. To, what we need to see. That's how he opens up the game. Then you get the, what is it? You know, Miles or sorry, Michael Bridges. He does the the three fingers, kind of like a gun, I guess. Right? What what else would it be? And then he does the head cocking. And Scotty hit a three out of a baseline, out of bounds play, a B lob, and uh, did it to his face. Now, I've played pickup basketball where someone did the guns to somebody's face and they mimic shooting. To the kids out there. Do not do that. In the NBA, everybody's a professional. It's all fun and games. Everybody has their stuff. Do not mime finger guns like Scotty did. Please. It could get you in a lot of trouble because you don't know who you're doing it to. You don't know who's around. Just as like a, a thing. However, it did really help set the tone for the team. And I thought it like he pushed the pace at the start of the game. The Raptors had an insane amount of fast break points in this game. And Scotty pushing, grabbing rebounds. This was a big thing during Russell Westbrook's MVP year, which maybe he shouldn't have gotten an MVP. I'm not so sure. But a big part of his MVP season and the triple-double season was that the the Thunder were so much better on offense when he grabbed the rebound instead of like Steven Adams, for example. Because Steven Adams, although he is better at rebounding than Russ, it's just much quicker to get the ball into Russ's hands with a good box out. And he goes up and you have like these pseudo transition or fast break adjacent possessions where he can push the pace. That's what we're seeing happening with Scotty. And I love when he's able to get back on the glass. And I love when he's able to press on the offensive glass and just make his physicality really something that the other team feels. There's no doubt in this game that the Nets felt his presence. I wondered if he might get a little bit three-point shot happy at the start of this thing because he was really getting them up. However, he reined it in, made everything kind of about the rim, pressured that there in some games it seems like rj is mostly the raptors rim pressure guy and he did provide a decent amount of rim pressure in this game but rj despite i think he could have finished with eight or nine assists instead of the seven in this game some easy shots missed some free throw attempts from the guys um i think that he was a little bit errant there, there was some errant decision making as far as like how far he took a drive passing out and all that kind of stuff which is different than it has been as a raptor and Hashtag ad. If you're interested, of course, in reading in very specific detail about why RJ's playmaking has been better than anywhere else with the Raptors, it's the best of his career. I tracked every single assist and I talked about it and break down the film on RaptorsRepublic.com. You can go read that. So I was obviously overjoyed that I dropped that piece today. And then in the first half, he has six assists. It slowed down a little bit. But them's the breaks, you know. That's okay. That's not that's not too bad a thing. He finished with seven assists, like twelve points on thirteen field goal attempts. He missed both his free throws. That's still something that's coming up with him. But I did like a lot of the playmaking, especially like the the right hand hezzy push dribble into the paint, brought the low man over, left handed shovel pass to Jakob. Really fantastic. Nesta says, love the attitude Scotty showed tonight. Hope the rub of being an all star has motivated him more to be the star that he is. I'll stand by my take that he will be the next American MVP. That would be cool, man. I think he's got um, the personality for, like, big-time stardom, especially how he shows it on court. And I know, like, he doesn't really do it through the media, 
and he's maybe one like a really interesting case study for players kind of taking control of their own branding, right? Because so much of player branding used to be done through the media, through relationships with the media. And Scotty, I think, does a really great job of just doing it through his own social media. He doesn't have to like say anything to me to have it communicated. He'll say what he wants. And so while he seems a little bit muted in some of the like press conference stuff, he has a really big personality outside of that. And honestly, I think uh, like he, he he has big stardom in his future. And the end games like tonight where he's just just the physicality, 18, 12, and 3. The three assists seems low in this game because so much of what the Raptors were able to do successfully was because of him pushing the pace, creating the terms on offense, on the fast break for the Raptors to succeed. He's the biggest reason for why that happened. Now, of course, he's not the he's a plus 17. RJ is like a plus 29. You know, IQ is a plus 32. I get it. But Scotty really set the tone here and really helped carry the team. It's a really impressive performance from him in this one. And Emmanuel quickly, I thought, started out quite slow, actually. And like he hit the two threes, of course, and well done to him. He's a a tremendous shooter. He's going to hit threes. But on top of that, I thought that like kind of getting into the lane, the off-balance floaters, I was like, hmm, I'd like to see that extra dribble. I'd like to see that extra step taken, get all the way to the rim. But the shot making was just on such a level in this game, especially 5 of 8 from downtown. You know, Gary is 5 of 7. That's over, well, it's like 70% of the threes that the Raptors hit in this game. It's just those two guys. And... Both cashing five, 71% from three-point land for Gary, 62, almost 63% for IQ. I just, that's really impressive play. And like three assists, it's not always going to be the scoring that pops for IQ. Sometimes it's going to be the playmaking, but right now he's figuring out that in-between game and trying to playmake from the middle of the court, trying to be like the the drive and kick guy a little bit more often because honestly, he's not able to get into that zone maybe as much as some of us would like. And that requires a little bit more patience and pace in the middle of the floor rather than the quick pick up the dribble, wrap, and try and get to the rim, get to the floater. A little put guys in jail a little bit more often, right? Get to that spot, use that extra dribble, know where you are, the proprioception, right? Where, where, where are things in space relative to you? understanding that and playmaking from that point of view in the middle of the floor, that stuff has to come along and that kind of stuff will allow him to playmake to the rim for his rollers and the dunker spot. And it also allow him to playmake to the corners, which if it doesn't create a shot, it's going to create that side top side action that, you know, the NBA is kind of known for the big swinging, you know, boom, corner, boom, top of the arc, boom, corner again, that defenses just have such a tough time keeping up with. And they, they run ragged trying to defend. There's, there's more of that to come, but in this game, just an all-out scoring threat. I thought that he was like the jumper was clearly going very well. He was very comfortable going to it. And, you know, that's he did the the interview after the game, and he was like, first of all, all glory to God. And I think, I can't remember, I, I had a tweet that was like, Kyle's catchphrase was like, don't ask me that, don't ask me that question. Next question, Fred's catchphrase was like, bet on yourself. IQs as God did. Um, yeah, and it, uh, he was awesome tonight. And and the three steals, too, I thought that he was pretty effective in the passing lanes. 
And honestly, passing lane defense is a huge thing for guards, especially in the NBA where teams are throwing a lot of different coverages out there, are asking guards to drop a little bit deeper in the defense, depending on what matchup they want to throw at point of attack players, especially with some of the more aggressive schemes like, you know, switch to blitz or just blitz in general, all that kind of stuff. I think that guards being good off ball is really important. IQ has not been super strong on ball, but of course... You know, that's something that we need to see pick up and something that has been better in a healthier environment defensively like the Knicks. And so there's hope as far as that goes on that end. And I guess we'll wait and see. Gary just gunner. There was his role has returned, I think, to a very similar spot. You know, both both in like shot attempts, both in style and context to what was happening in 2021-22, where the team is just looking at him like, we need guys to put up shots. You're going to be that guy. Obviously, this team is not as good as the 48-win team that he was scoring, you know, like 18 points per game on. But what we are seeing is a guy who's very comfortable with the ball in hand, you know, getting to a combo, getting a shot up. I was very comfortable in catch-and-shoot situations. And honestly, he's putting the team in a good position by shooting that well. 9 of 12 from the field, 25 points, you know, that's like two free throws. That's nuts. That's insane efficiency. That's all anybody could ever ask for. So 25 points, like, yeah, he had two assists. Or sorry, he had, <laughs> he had two assists, one rebound. Is he going to st- stuff the stat sheet? No, but I thought he was good in this game. And also, I thought his defense was pretty good. Sometimes the ball pressure can get him into trouble, and he can kind of overextend himself, but I didn't feel that that was the case in this game. And what Coco says here, what do you think made a difference tonight in terms of our defense? I think the ball pressure was super helpful. I think that... Cam Thomas is a player who definitely got his numbers tonight, but I think he struggles to create well for other guys. And I think the way that the Raptors were switching and kind of switching late in clock because Cam really does like to dribble back out and get his own looks. And he really likes to like Hezzy in the lane and he really likes to draw those switches. I think moving them into the back end of the shot clock and putting those possessions in Cam's hands and just being willing to let guys go like one-on-one, I think was smart. Like Cam tried to attack Brady. They just switch off of it in the pick and roll. Just like Cam, if you're going to make the shot, I guess we'll see. And a lot of the the Nets offense did funnel that way. Like he he took the most shots. He tied with um, Bridges, of course, because Bridges is always going to take it a decent amount of shots. But I think the Nets are a team in flux. They just, you know, Jacques Vaughn just got fired or let go or whatever the term they used was. It was like dismissed. I had, there was a coach who got dismissed instead of fired. I don't know what the terminal, why the terminology is different. Maybe I have to look that up. But regardless, Cam Thomas takes 16 shots. Michael Bridges takes 16 shots. Ben Simmons is the point guard. What we're seeing here, you can just build up based on what you, the listener, the watcher, myself, what we know about these players is there's a serious dearth of playmaking there and not a lot of counters as far as what they're able to do getting their team into looks. And, like, that's a game where Claxton has six points, takes five shots. If you have a good point guard, he's going to have more volume. Why? Because the Raptors are throwing aggressive schemes at the ball handlers. If you're throwing aggressive schemes at the ball handlers, who is the first player open? The big, usually. And why can't they funnel the ball to him correctly? Sometimes it's because the Raptors are pulling off of the corner and, like, tagging, and they're kind of in that space. Great. Sometimes it's Grady Dick getting beat on a closeout backtracking, switching, it's called a peel switch actually, and getting to the corner, the corner man comes in, goes to defend the rim, 
Grady drops in. He's able to guard Claxton, swat the ball away, goes up the court the other way. Kelly Olenek leads the break, hits a corner three. Like playing within scheme is very good. And also making a Nets team that is not very strong as far as like playmaking goes, move farther into the back of the clock, making them see a lot more action so that they're not comfortable going to a lot of different things and making it just like a cachet of Bridges making a bunch of decisions, Thomas making a bunch of decisions, and Ben Simmons making a bunch of decisions, and even Schroeder too, right, who was one of seven tonight, 23 minutes, four points, two assists. That's the Raptors, I think the scheme tonight or the, the game plan for this one worked really well. It was what everybody wanted to see, and it really allowed them, I think, to play super strong defense. And Jakob Pertl was at the center of that, in my opinion. I thought he was great near the rim. I thought he was deeply affecting. And I think, like, well done to Jakob, kind of being the, the straw that stirs the drink on that end anyway. Really impressive performance. Um, Kelly, I thought, like, the, the sneaky play, stealing the inbounds pass from, I think it was Simmons that he stole it from, also being just kind of, like, trying to fit in mix around all that kind of stuff you know you can see why it's gonna work he still hasn't cashed the three we're waiting on that two of five 18 minutes it's not like a superhero performance or anything like that i'm waiting on and didn't see any indicator of it in this game but i'm waiting on that olenic barnes synergy truly i am and olenic has actually also i think struggled to kind of Find, find that synergy right away with the, with the guards and the initiators on the Raptors roster. He's presumably going to sign an extension. I think that this is a team that needs him to find that synergy with those guys, obviously, because he's going to be a hub of sorts. He's going to be connective tissue between, you know, the starters and the bench. He's going to help guide some of the guards who want to take those extra initiation reps along. He's going to be a guy who rewards some of Scotty, like getting into the paint, crashing the glass putting like making the defense come in and then getting the ball to a shooter, RJ as well. This kind of stuff is inherent, but there's some synergy and two-man action stuff that just has to work for Kelly to really make this team, you know, or to validate the trade and what the Raptors are trying to do for this team. So not a big game, but you can see the start of some things. And Ochai, defensively, he had the one possession where he was really sticky on Cam Thomas. And I thought like, Really, really impressive. Was very impressed with it. Offensively, you can see there's just not a lot going on, which is like kind of what I was seeing when I was looking at the film before he got, like, as soon as he got traded and I was poking around on all that kind of stuff, I was trying to get an idea of his game. The first thing you do, of course, is you go to, like, okay, his highlights. See what a really good Ochai game looks like. If he's going to score, like, 26 points. Is it just like all catch and shoot corner threes? And like, yeah, and like back cuts. Yeah, mostly. And then you go start watching like a lot of his missed field goals because you kind of know what his makes look like. Okay, here's what a make is. What do misses look like? How does he overextend himself? That's the quick way to do it for anybody who wants to know um, if you're interested instead of just going back and watching a full game when there was, I only had an hour until recording time for the podcast. That's kind of like a good indicator. How does a guy often overextend himself? In the missed shots, you're going to see what a guy tries to do and fails at really quickly. A lot of people go to the made shots, but Ochai especially, I think is a guy who it's really instructive that like he isn't very adventurous with the ball and teams treat him that way. And they know that. I'm waiting on the Kansas shooting, let's say. 
because that's probably what allows this to be a good thing for him. I think the defense will be there. Um, there's lots of stuff to like there. There's a lot of impressive movement skills. It's the same as I thought before, like in the, in the wake of the trade, he, he like he has good footwork and like he really cares defensively and that kind of stuff is really important. But offensively, I think he needs to shoot the hell out of the ball or he needs to have a progression on ball that there really isn't much of an indicator in the film right now of anything that he's trying to do. You know, feckless, let's say. A feckless with a live dribble. There's not danger to it. Defenses don't respond to it. Him coming off of handoffs, you know, he's not really going to turn the corner. He's probably just going to extend the play out, get it to the other guy above the break. And that's not really, that's not good for a Raptors team that wants guys like RJ Barrett, who's been way better as a Raptor. Like, try and turn that corner. See what happens. If you sink the defense, push it to the corner. But if you keep getting, like, locked above the break, like Ochai does, that's not, that doesn't move the, you know, doesn't move the defense. It doesn't put your offense in a strong position at all. It just burns clock. And so Ochai, like, we'll see. DJ Carlton, by the way, or sorry, Carton, wrong-footed floater, gather into the lane, push shot off the wrong foot, very impressive. Um, I'm excited to see what he's able to do. Uh, I don't know how many minutes he gets as a Raptor. I don't really know what it ends up looking like, but I like this first bucket. I haven't seen a bunch of his game otherwise, but something to stay tuned with. But yeah, the Raptors, I thought just like wholly a, a very good game. Impressive. Um, just for, you know, there's uh, like 130 people in chat, like the video helps suggest it to other people once, you know, the algorithm gets a hold of it, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Dat Canadian says DJ Carton is going to be a sneaky pickup for us if we keep him. His scouting report also gives good promise. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta see a little bit more um, for myself. Not only like as a Raptor, but I have to watch more of DJ before I give like a lot. My usual attempts at insight usually have a decent amount of. Um, let's say I've, I watch a lot of film. I haven't gone to DJ's, not really. So. Something something to get into. Probably not tomorrow, though, because there's another game tomorrow. But yeah, I think a very impressive game from the Raptors. A lot of the things that you wanted to see represented in this team were seen in this game. And also, like, this team, when they run out, they can score the hell out of the basketball. That's always, you know, the Raptors aren't exactly the only team that's going to try and escape the half court. Of course, a lot of teams try and escape the half court. And also the Raptors, you know, they're a team that's somewhat built to escape the half court. Scotty Barnes, it's not even a question about like him being like, oh, he can't do enough in the half court. He's working on it. He's made, you know, ginormous steps in that regard. But it's just that like he's one of the best transition players in the NBA. RJ is much better in transition. A lot of like everybody is much better in transition, to be quite honest with you. But this is a team that is looking to impress in that way and a team that needs to impress in that way. And then on games like tonight where you get to run out a lot and you also get to play that good level of defense, you're going to have a chance against a lot of different teams. Now, the Nets are one of those teams who they can imprint themselves upon, who they're able to do that, of course. But this is also like you play who's in front of you. And the Nets are a bit discombobulated. The Raptors took advantage of that. They picked up their first divisional win of the season. But just as like a number, so the half-court stuff, we're talking about like Mike Bridges, Cam Thomas, Ben Simmons are leading the offense on the other side. The Raptors, they play off of Ben. 
they really they blitz Michael Bridges and, and and they switch on Cam Thomas. They're throwing these guys a lot of like lean into what you know, telling them to lean into what they struggle with. Basically, their half court rating in this game seventy six points per under possessions, terrible. The Raptors half court rating in this game eighty four points per under possessions, terrible. But the thing is, transition. The Raptors, 209 points per under possessions. That's more than two points per possession. That's insane. 100th percentile, plus 21.5 points per possession, higher than, you know, the expected average. They were incredible. They didn't, they, they didn't even have to succeed in the half court. They just made it happen. Really, really impressive game from them tonight. Um, Joe Tully says Scotty was impressive tonight, but a bit careless with the ball. Yeah, there was um, like a three or four minute stretch where, you know, Ben started playing a lot more of that ball pressure defense. And Scotty, uh, I'm not exactly sure why he responded the way he did, but he did seem quite vexed by it. And like Ben Simmons, truthfully, is one of the only players who physically can, is like the approximate amount of like speed and strength and fluidity that Scotty is. Not a lot of, like, there's a lot of guys who are way more fluid than Scotty, but can they stonewall him strength-wise? No, not a chance. There's a lot of guys who are, you know, stronger than Scotty, but he can still probably get the edge on him or something like that, right? We've seen him do it on bigs um, a decent amount of time. So Ben being a guy who, like, won't allow either of those things, maybe vex them for a little bit. He started rushing the point-to-wing passes. He was, like, a little bit careless with the dribble, yeah. And and that was when the Nets made their run at the start of the third quarter. But, you know, I tweeted this out at the time. I was like, yeah, he's having trouble with this. I expect him to have a counter here. And I expect the Raptors to, and I was saying that I expected the Raptors to be a little bit more proactive moving off ball to kind of like show to Scotty a little bit more. Don't make him work with the dribble to get it to a point where he's more comfortable with the point to wing. Just meet him there. Honestly, because Scott is going to get you into the fast breaks enough. If you have to look elsewhere to initiate some of these half-court possessions, do so. And the Raptors, once again, they didn't have to win in the half-court tonight because they ran so daggum much. And and they ended up, you know, the team that won at the end of this game by a very healthy amount. And so everything worked out, um, you know, into the future. This is something Scotty should, like, put away in his noggin and try and think about, like, okay, how does this affect me going forward? What are my, what is my counter? What should we be doing as a team? And is my expectation that Darko and the staff will be talking to him about stuff like that? There's, there's good stuff, a million good things that we've talked about for about 25 minutes. But yeah, that was a bit of a struggle for him. And I'm sure something that he'll look to improve going forward. But he's got the juice, man. I think a very, very impressive game. John Lamb says, is this the part of the season where the Raptors are going to rotate 10 days to see what sticks? I think there's a good chance of that. I hope it's DJ, though. That'd be cool. He's a lefty, you know? And everyone knows what I think about lefties. And the wrong foot finish, very, very impressive. I always like the guys who um, go wrong foot. Like the the ambidextrousness of jumpers is a very, very underrated thing in the NBA. And not just ambidextrous in like, is your one foot off of your left or your right? It's usually off of the left, of course, but... Can you go off of one, maintain that explosion? Can you go off of two, maintain that explosion? And and especially like, that's that's exactly what um, what Luka Doncic is all about. His footwork is insane, and his ability to like decelerate on one leg, maintain balance and control, 
is unbelievable and allows him to navigate the lane in a way that other players just can't. Like people who seem ostensibly much more athletic than Luka Doncic can't dominate the softer parts of the game because they don't have those like insane in the insane ability to decelerate. It's there's so much finesse in the way, you know, it's not just explosion. It's also like, how do you stop explosion? How do you slow yourself down? So many guards run into that, obviously. Really explosive guards. You know, uh, Kira Lewis is no longer a member of the Raptors, but he was a player, you know, coming out of college who was just so explosive. And everybody's like, wow, if he makes it, you know, if he is able to play at a couple different speeds, he'll be able to speed up to a place where teams can't really handle him. But if you only play at that one speed, teams will kind of gear up for that. But if you can play at both, you can always keep them off kilter. And that's something that Scotty's working on, quite frankly, right now. And I think his counters have been really intriguing, and they're mostly done as a playmaker, which has been perfectly fine. Like, you know, his slow lumbering into the lane, he got that post up in the first quarter, he slides off the guy with a spin, they bring the double from the baseline, he spies, you know, Jakob coming right down the middle, makes that pass to him. He also had this really interesting play where it wasn't necessarily a guy coming middle, but Scotty like really impressive with the length that he has and the athleticism and the vision that he has, the ability to make passes was instead of trying to go like baseline to baseline, Scotty would jump out of bounds in air and would create a separate angle to the opposite dunker spot to where he was spinning. And I think he has two of those passes, one to Jakob and one to Precious on the season. And that's really the appeal of Scotty as a playmaker is like physically, he's always going to be a guy who pressures teams because he has just like this always impactful downhill momentum because he's so strong he has those like slow strides downhill it's you really can't stonewall him and when he's put in those unique situations he's such a fantastic like he has such a fantastic basketball brain he can read those situations really well and he can come up with like new solutions to old problems and like jumping out of bounds in like the, making the same pass where you create that separate angle i think two times in four games back then was really great. And then this game, like they bring it from the bottom. He's not looking baseline. He just goes back up the middle, his length, his height, his awareness, all that kind of stuff. Great. But yeah, playing at different speeds is super important. Um, Memento AO says thoughts on Ochai. I talked about Ochai for probably about like four minutes straight earlier on in the podcast. If you go tune in, but again, this is more people listen on the podcast apps than they do on YouTube. So I still, feel, you know, an onus to provide the linear podcast experience to the podcast listeners. Um, yeah. Playoff Pierce, this is the last thing I'll talk about before I go, by the way. Playoff Pierce says, Scotty on ball and on wings particularly has been good this year. He's been better on guards, but still not great. He's really good at denying IE game versus Steph. Yeah, he, he's a very good um, at denying and also top blocking. That kind of stuff is about like length and you got to care. And Scotty is really able to... Um, He's really only able to, if you want to be that type of player, you have to have like that give a shit level to you. And Scotty definitely does. And at his size and length, so much of defense is about like really caring about what it looks like possession to possession. And he was able to, I mean, he's able to do some really unique things. As, as you said, like even on wings, I don't know if I think he's been particularly good this year on initiating wings. I think he's struggled a little bit with a lot of the different initiating players. And I think sometimes he can like try and ride a hip or get a little bit high on players 
he can get himself into trouble with ball pressure too. But also, there's also been some games where he's just been like unbelievable in some unique schematic stuff. And also, especially when they blitz players, if they bring like, and this is why, you know, I hope that Christian Coloco gets back into the Raptors at some point. I hope that his health is all looked after and good at some point. But like having Scotty on ball, if you're going to play an aggressive scheme like a blitz or something like that, and then bringing a big into that action, if you're blitzing with two of those guys and Scotty's the one setting the edge and can hold that edge, I think it's really, really impressive and it makes it really, really difficult for the guard to take negative dribbles to create that over-the-top passing angle. They're going to have to float it. And if you float it, you can get guys stepping up from the bottom of the defense to try and chase that float. Or if you don't want to be that aggressive, as the ball floats, NBA players are fantastic athletes, you can kind of scramble back into place. And that's one of the really unique aspects of putting Scotty on ball. Of course, some of the more conservative stuff, like he's just the screen navigation is in a tough spot, as it is for almost every guy that size. The only guy, like the only guy the size of like Scotty's height there's like two like Herb Jones and Paul George maybe who are really slick navigating screens. There might be a few other guys. The NBA has a lot of like really unique athletes, but it's not a lot of guys Scotty's size kind of D up at the point of attack and have to slink around screens and all that kind of stuff. Pascal used to be able to do that, um, but he, he's just not. His athleticism has dipped over time, and I think his his care for the defensive end has been waning. Um, a little bit, but we, we saw like, uh, we saw a playoff series where, you know, Pascal was guarding John Wall as the primary, right? And we also would see Pascal as like, he would play like Russell Westbrook straight up and stuff like that back before the championship. Um, playoff Pierce says, yeah, Herb is like 30 pounds lighter. That makes it easier, certainly. And Paul George is like a one in a billion athlete. His size and fluidity, explosion, all that kind of stuff is nuts, even after all those injuries. Um, that feels like a podcast, though, everybody. Again, sorry, it's not the usual hour that um, these are usually, but I'm feeling a bit under the weather, so I'm just going to cut it here. I hope 33 minutes is satisfactory. Um, Ann Ball says, this is only my second reaction pod. You're great. Will there be more coming with you and Caitlin together? Um, yeah, Caitlin and I podcast together fairly frequently. Um, we'll probably do the one, the Indiana game. I assume it'll be a similar thing. And then on top of that, I'll be doing some coverage of the uh, Pacers forthcoming playoff series, probably on Caitlin's Patreon. So that's the work we'll be doing together. But honestly, I would just recommend like, just go if you, I'm sure you are, but just go subscribe to Caitlin's Patreon because I think she is the best basketball writer in the world. And like, I mean that there's a reason I say it. All right. Thanks, everybody, for hopping in. Um, I'll see y'all tomorrow night. Hopefully feeling a little bit better. We can do the full hour, get into some of the, some of the weed stuff. And, uh, yeah, thanks, everybody, for tuning in, whether you got into this in the morning or at night. And here's, I guess, one last shot of Poe, who's taking a nap. Whether you got into this in the morning or at night, have a blessed day and goodbye. <laughs>